Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Good day, church. Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 12 and have those open. And we're going to be looking in that particular passage today at an interaction Jesus has with someone who asks him a profound question. You know, considering what we're going through as a nation, as a community, even as a, as a family of faith here at Christ Church, uh, it's fair to ask the question, where is God at? Where is God located? How, do, how does he engage us and how do we engage him? But I have the question, but I also have the answer. If you wanna know where God is at, look at the end of yourself. At that moment when you cry out, God, help me. And I mean, not just God kind of help me, but God, if you don't help me, I'm desperate. Because when we get to the end of ourselves, that's when we find the presence of God. When we cry out, Lord, only you can save me, does the mighty voice of God get heard? See, people today need the active presence of God. But I wanna tell you that there's a difference between an acknowledgement that we have a God who exists and the active presence of God. Not just an awareness, but his participation and our participation with him. In these days that we're facing, it's really easy to become discouraged and and we're gonna encourage you over and over and over that we will get through this together. We will fight together. We will work for each other. We'll care for one another. But we don't want anybody to be panicked. We don't want anybody to be frantic. There are reasons to be scared, but we're gonna fear not And we're gonna trust the Lord in each one of us. And when we call out to God, he will answer us one way or the other if we position ourselves to need him. You see, the difference between someone being present and someone being active, if I can give you a ridiculous illustration, it would be this. If I came to you and said that there's a family in our church that has mounting insurmountable medical bills, hundreds of thousands of dollars of money that they owe to the hospital for medical treatment. And I made that announcement to our church family. And there was a millionaire sitting in the room. He could be present or he could be actively present. She could be there or she could be actively there. We could pass the plate or they could write a check. You see, the difference between being present and being actively engaged is what we're gonna talk about today. Because what the world is looking for today is an active Jesus, an active God. And I wanna tell you, this is in our control because it's 100% in his will. God wants to be that with us. He's not withholding himself from us. It actually will find out is we're withholding ourselves from him. And what we most need is available to us if we'll surrender to what he asks of us. I want us to remember back to those days, even just in the past two or three weeks where things just seemed simple. Our routines were established. We knew what each day would look like. In fact, we probably complained that every Monday was Monday and every Wednesday was Wednesday and every Friday was Friday. But if you think back to this, we're facing challenges, aren't we? We're facing challenges to redefine what our lives are really about. We're finding out that some of the things we had planned aren't important. You might've heard this expression. It's not mine, but it makes sense. It's simple. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And as we face this, these difficulties and we face these challenges, the main thing is for each one of us to keep the main thing 100% the main thing. Now, I had a Missouri grandmother, and I loved her. We called her Granny. And I got to spend two weeks every summer for about six straight summers with my, oldest, my older brother, Scott. 
and we would hang out and we would go to the farm and we would do cool things and have a lot of fun. But one of my favorite moments, every, well, I had two favorite moments with Granny. One is when she sent me out to the gooseberry patch and told me to bring some in for dessert, bless her heart. The other was when she brought out her big black skillet. Because when my granny bought out the big black skillet, she was gonna fry some chicken or she was gonna make my favorite meal, pork chops. And granny had all this kind of wild, like she didn't go to the butcher, she butchered. And when she brought in a piece of pork and laid it in that black skillet, I'm salivating right now even thinking about it. But it didn't look like the pork chops my mom served me. It didn't look like the pork roast that came out of our crock pot. When granny put a piece of pork in that skillet, it looked strange. It was misshapen. It was covered in white stuff. It didn't look like pork. But when that woman fired up that skillet and that heat hit that skillet and that heat hit that pan and it uh, penetrated into the pork, it became the thing I loved. You see, what happened was that skillet got rid of the stuff and it left the meat. It left the thing I was after. It left the, the best part was there. So what I would ask you, when you look at your Christian life, if you threw it in the big skillet and cranked up the heat, what is the main thing that we're trying to keep the main thing? I think we're going to find out in these next few weeks or days or however long the duration of this crisis in our country is happening. I think we're going to find out that God is going to redefine the main thing for us because much of what we've made the main thing isn't that important. I think we're going to find it out when the skillet turns up the heat that we're going to find out what this really is all about. And the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. So enough with silly phrases. What is the main thing? Well, the main thing is to have a with God life. That's what it is. It's to have a with God life. And I'm going to borrow that phrase from Scott McKnight, one of my favorite authors. What is he talking about? You see, the with God life is when God is allowed to form us in relationship. And he does all of the spiritual formation we're ever gonna experience in relationship. It starts with our relationship with him. And then it transfers into our relationship we have with every other believer. And then it even extends into that, that we're formed by our relationships we have with those that are not believers. God does all of this formation. I looked up the word formed in the scripture and between, depending on your translation, anywhere between 33 and 43 times in the scripture, the word form is used. But I want you to know each and every time that that word is used, it is the action of God on a part of his creation. It's always the impetus of God. You see, it's God's will to shape us. It's God's will to fry out the stuff and form us into what he wants us to be. You see, this is the perfect time to reorder our lives, isn't it? Oh, I'm not going to bring shame today. I just want to encourage you. This is the perfect time when there's nothing that you love on TV or there, you can't go out and be with crowds and you're not seeking all the entertainment anymore, when this starts to just become a normal day, what are we gonna do to redeem the time and make the main thing the main thing? When Jesus came to form us, he came to shape history, he came to shape eternity. Did Jesus ever give a clear definition of what spiritual formation is? He did. An expert in the law questioned Jesus. An expert in the law was a person who took the law of God, the Torah, and he put it into everyday life. So his job was to make sure that the Torah was lived out. And these, these people were meticulous with this. 613 different commands or laws they established. 365 do nots or prohibitions. 365, one for every day of the year. This is how they built them. They also had 248 commandments and that stood for the equal number of generations of mankind. 
613. And the scribes would break them into weighty and light. And once they'd done that, then they would break those into ethical or ritual. I think when this man came to Jesus and asked him the question, he was trying to get Jesus to qualify whether or not he had established what he needed to establish. And Jesus answered by giving him a clear view of what life was meant to be in the kingdom. Let's just call it the with God life. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard him debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. See, God is forming us in an abiding relationship. And when Jesus was asked, how are we shaped and formed? How are we to live our lives? Jesus said, begin with your relationship with God, the with God life, because that will manifest itself in your relationship with one another and with your world. This is primarily taken from a passage in Deuteronomy chapter six. It's also found in a few other passages, but Jesus took this Old Testament and he brought it together in this summary statement. Now, a Jew would tell you this is called the Shema. Shema is the Hebrew word that opens the text and it actually is the word listen or hear. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Hmm. The Shema expresses what's the most important part of spiritual formation. How does God form us? Foremost, in a relationship with him. See, our relationship with God must be above all things all the time. And if that is true, then everything else, all of his kingdom comes together in that primary core relationship, keeping the main thing, the main thing. And Jesus is instructing us how to be formed. He says to, to memorize, to recite, to be instructed in, to write out the truths of our covenant relationship with God. If our pursuit is God, and we know he's pursuing us, then when you ask the question, where is God? He's at the end of you, at the end of your ability, at the end of your skill, at the end of your own security. God is found waiting. And when we find God at the end of ourselves, we'll never be found wanting. He puts it all together. Jesus is telling us that our creator God, our redeeming savior, our loving Lord is found in our relationship with God first. And when that relationship gets confused, and it has been for most of us, when that relationship gets misrepresented by the world in which we live, then we become confused. Our purpose, our peace, and our passions all become mixed up. Then, then the main thing isn't to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing has become something that won't last. And when we lose the main thing, we lose ourselves. We lose our hope. We lose our purpose. We lose our passion. I found it interesting several years ago, I was reading some research and it said that they asked people on the street who describe themselves as Christians uh, to describe their relationship with Jesus. 
And the five answers that were foremost given were interesting. They referred to it as a task, a duty. I, I, do, I do Jesus for every 15 or 20 minutes a day. I, I have this devotional that I do. I, I get up and I read a devotional and then I go about my day. Some described it as to getting information. I read the Bible. I study the scriptures. Some called it a set of behaviors. I don't do this and I don't do that anymore. And I do a lot of this. And it's been all established about their performance. Some referred to their relationship as a gathering. I go to church. I sometimes go to church twice a week. I go to church three times a week. I go to a place. And some it's a destination. I'm saved. I have eternal life. It's a result of the uh, means to getting to the end. And yet, if those are the top five answers, then the main thing for us is to make the main thing the main thing, because those aren't the main thing. We need to fry the fat out of our Christianity. We need to let it set in the skillet for a little while. And maybe this is what we're gonna go through in this season. And my prayer for all of us is that instead of fearing this, we take advantage of it. We take full advantage of the opportunity to reset, to reorder around the most important thing. And if it's gonna take a little frying to get the stuff out, then let's endure that. Let's persevere through that and let's trust through all of it. Because Christianity fried to its very core is a relationship with the active, living, participating God who can be found at the end of each of us. When Jesus had taught this principle, the text continues in verse 32 of Mark 12. Well said, teacher, the man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is the most important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Not far. It sounds really good, doesn't it? You know what sounds better? You're fully in the kingdom of God. You're fully experiencing it. Not far is cute, it's quaint, it's not there. See, Jesus is, is cautioning him while encouraging him. He does that to all of us. He's cautioning us while encouraging us. He's inviting him into something greater. Take the next step. Enter more fully into the kingdom. Don't sit on the outside. Don't be close. Don't straddle. Go full. Enter in. How do we do that? Well, you can guess by now what I'm gonna say by keeping the main thing the main thing. Remind yourself of his faithful love displayed in Jesus any way you can. Remind yourself daily of his faithful love shown in Jesus. We just celebrated the Lord's table together. We took the elements together in, in very unique ways. But it's beautiful because it symbolizes to all of us the love of God was shown in the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. So I wanna ask you a strange question because it's a new day and it's a new way to reason with this and you'll be with your friends and family. And I want you to think about what I'm gonna share with you now as we talk at the end of today together, as we continue a conversation about this relationship with Jesus, keeping the main thing the main thing. If Christ walked into your family room or into wherever you're meeting right now, if he sat down with you to talk with you about your relationship, what would his reaction be in your mind? How would you expect him to react to you? Would it be anger, you know, outrage? I died on the cross for you and you can't break that habit. I died on the cross for you and you don't ever pick up your Bible. Would he come at you with anger or would he come at you with disappointment? 
you know, exasperated with us. You're a huge letdown. You promised so much when you offered me your life and I've gotten so little. In fact, I can't even get your attention. Or maybe he would come at you that, with boredom, that he's bored with you. Well, you tried, I guess, thanks. You see, when we think about this, what we've done is we have positioned God in a way he'll never allow us to position him because that's not our father. That's not his love. It's not how to who he is. And the world tells us so many things that we instantly fear about going deep and entering fully into the kingdom because we're scared that God's mad or disappointed or bored. And then we get frightened. And it's no wonder when people don't spend time knowing who God really is, that he becomes misrepresented, he becomes a cartoon, he becomes an attitude. But I wanna tell you today, now listen carefully. Friends, the good news is good news. It's not threatening news. It's not condemning news. Listen to me. The good news is good news. And in terrible times, I don't know about you, I could use good news. I need to focus my mind on good news in the midst of sour, hard, rough, threatening news. That doesn't make that stuff go away. But remember, if you wanna find the active presence of God, you'll find it at the end of yourself. Where you can't, he shows up and he's fully God. God is love. And God's love is the difference between his presence as a truth and his active presence in our existence. So I just wanna challenge our church. I wanna challenge those that are joining us that are not a part of a local fellowship. This isn't a membership drive. This is a pastor's plea to all of us. The good news is good news. Put your mind on the good news and you'll find that your heart comes to life toward the Father. You wanna love God? And spend some time considering how much he's loved you. I'd like to just encourage you today because I think we need good news. I'd like to share with you. Listen to the covenant love God has for you. You are in his thoughts. If you wonder where he is, listen to me. You're in his thoughts. In the 139th Psalm, David writes these words. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. What is David saying? David said, if I can number how much God thinks of me and how many thoughts he has of me, about me, for me, because of me, he said they'd be more numerous than the sands on the seashore. On his worst day, David said, God thinks of me. On his best day, God thinks of him. While he's sleeping, God thinks of him. When he's awake and working, when he's worshiping, in all of these areas, David wants us to hear what's true. God is for you. And he thinks of you so much. It's one of my favorite books. It says, he's awfully fond of you. You are his choice. Not only does he think of you often, but he chose you. Ephesians chapter one, verses four and five, for he chose us in Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in accordance with his pleasure and will. I love that. God chose me not because he had to. He chose me because he wanted to. God chose you because he wanted to. Jesus came while we're the enemy because he wanted to. In fact, God has chosen us not just because it was his will to save us, but Paul said it was also his pleasure to. The cross says, I pick you. Does that sound like an angry, disappointed, and bored God? I say no. And you are more than a burden. You are his child. Paul continues in Ephesians 1, in love, 
he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. God has chosen us, loved us, accepted us, and he thinks of us in his grace. He knows our stuff. Sometimes he lets us sit in the pan and the heat gets turned up and it's purifying and the stuff melts away and the core of who we are is being saved through even trials and tribulations. God is faithful and he loves us even with the stuff, but he loves us too much to let the stuff stay. We don't have to wonder if we'll ever receive the gift of God because we already have it. Go to the end of yourself and the active presence of God awaits you. The gospel message is one of great news to a world full of bad news. God thinks of you. God chose you. God has accepted you. God loves you. Christianity is not about a religious game. It's not about a book. It's not about an event. It's not about a one day location. The church is what we're doing today, reminding one another, encouraging one another and edifying one another with the truth of who God is. First Corinthians chapter one, verse nine says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You wanna know how to form yourself? You wanna know how to be shaped by the love of God? Enter into fellowship with the father and the son, active presence putting your mind, your heart, and your energy on the thoughts of God's love for you because when you and I understand the love of God, we will begin to love. He enjoys us. He died for us. He is shaping us. Spiritual formation begins with, listen, <clears throat> the Lord your God is one. The love of God is it. It's the main thing to keep the main thing. The with God life is formed by receiving the love of God and returning it to him. Part of what we do when we gather together in large groups is to take up a collection as we've been encouraged in the New Testament to do, but things have changed, haven't they? We're not together today, but as we think about the ways to please a God who loves us so much and sacrifice so much to us, how do we draw close to his heart? Well, the scriptures say clearly to bless as we've been blessed and to forgive as we've been forgiven and to give as we've been given to. In this next season here at Christ Church, we will continue to need your financial support for our missionaries, to take care of our church staff, to, to do the things that we can still do in ministry. We have already made some changes about how we're spending money and what we're spending it on. We're doing everything we can to control all of our expenditures, to honor the resources we've been given. We have practiced good stewardship led by the leadership of our church. We have money stored away for a rainy day and oh my goodness, it's raining, isn't it? But we're gonna be okay. We can survive this, we pray. We hope it's not lengthy, but we're gonna do our very best to be the best stewards. However, we are fully aware that there are many that are being uh, attacked under these moments, affected, loss of jobs, reduced hours, reduced revenues in their businesses while their debts continue to be there. We're aware that there are trying times and even this past week, our eldership gathered together and we prayed for families who are undergoing financial duress, loss of jobs, not knowing what the next step's gonna be. So we're wanting you to know that part of the reason we're asking you to continue to give 
is because you may be the one in which God works through for us to bless somebody within even our own church family. If this continues for any period of length, we will have more and more right here, right now needs from our own Christ church family than we can imagine. We wanna be a church that cares for one another. We wanna live out what it says in the book of Acts that they shared what they had in common so that all could have what they needed. This is the kind of church we're going to be. So we're encouraging you. We're gonna be helping people with their bills, medical treatments, and so many other needs. They want you to remember that even as all of our incomes are threatened and challenged, we wanna be generous in our core to bless one another, to care for one another, to do whatever we can to meet that need. So we're gonna be here for each other. And your sacrifices and my sacrifices financially are gonna allow our impact team and our pastoral care team to figure out what needs we can meet in the name of Jesus Christ and to love one another well. If you normally give through the offering plate on a Sunday gathering, uh, we're gonna ask you, would you consider giving electronically or sending in a check directly so we can meet needs as they come in? We understand that you're being pulled in multiple ways. We just simply say, if you're able to give and you wanna speak through that generosity, we would encourage you to continue to support the ministry that we're trying to do God will take care of our needs. We are gonna be the sources of blessings in our community and we wanna be on the forefront of that. We thank you in advance for your prayers. Take care of one another, serve one another and love one another. We pray that you have a week where God gives you an opportunity to not only think about his love, but to offer his love to those around you. In just a few moments are gonna be some questions we would like to encourage you as families and groups to go through these questions, share the, your answers with one another, encourage each other, and end with the time of prayer for one another as we become the light of Christ and share the love of Christ. Have a blessed week. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christchurch in general, visit us online at cco.church.